right? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Right, so start becoming aware of your conditioned beliefs, right? And the way that we can do that is obviously, like I said, your emotional reactions. When you are feeling big emotions, overwhelming emotions, it's usually because it's attached to a belief that is kind of attached either to your one of your core beliefs um, that may have been a little distorted over time and it becomes a little irrational. And some of that distorted beliefs can come from... Um, the, what I mean is, is that it develops maybe the human being has a six core needs, right? So part of that, and the biggest one that affects us is there's a part of us that loves control. There's a part of us that is loves uncertainty, the spontaneity of things, variety. Then there's a part of us um, where we want to feel significant and love and connection. So the biggest three things, obviously, is the a lot of people are stuck in the way that they just want to control certain things. Um, and it also kind of gives off to certain things with regard to perfectionism and we procrastinate also because of control. So these, it's very important to kind of also understand these six, six things. And the last two that I didn't mention is growth and contribution. And those two is obviously connected to your spiritual part of being. But love and connection and feeling significant as well and these things were conditioned from maybe the way that we were raised or things that we didn't receive as a child so it's very important that you go back to this in terms of how you actually feel towards your parents um, and I know that's a very weird thing to to, uh, to task to give you but some of us uh, do hold a lot of resentment towards our parents and sometimes we don't even understand why, but it was because there were certain need, needs that, that wasn't met for you. So coming to the space of understanding that they did the best that they can do according to the knowledge that they had to raise you. And they were also conditioned with a certain way of thinking of how things should be. So when we understand that, we come to accept that that is how it, it just was for them. But it doesn't mean that we have a right to kind of continue that blame because it comes back to our locus of control where we are responsible for our own way of feeling and our actions and the things that we are doing. So when we come into that space of understanding, we come into a space of also asking for forgiveness for yourself, but also forgiving them. It doesn't, when we... When we give forgiveness, we don't necessarily have to have where the person say, oh, yeah, I'll ask you, just forgive them. <laughs> because that is just what they went through. And that is everybody around us in the spaces. Because remember, I mentioned everybody's affected by a different perception of something. One person may think that what they did wasn't wrong at all. And you might think, but how could you do that? And you go crazy about it. But... That person had a different way of seeing the world. Their lens was different. So their thinking was developed differently and their belief system around that was developed differently. So it's very important that we come to understand that when we, we, we learn that, we become more tolerant of other people as well. Um, and in doing so, we understand that we have to be a bit influenced then in terms of the things that we are doing. I'm not saying that you have to stand on the platform and talk about what everybody should do. This is my da'wa and things like that. You have to do that through your actions because and what it is that you do for yourself. Because the Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was the best teacher, but he was the best teacher through example. 
So we have to be that example. And he, he taught us the best way to be a positive influence on the people around us. So understand this also, because if you are a parent, you are also conditioning your children a particular way, a certain way of thinking. That is why it's also important if you have any shortfalls with regard to your thinking as being a Muslim or certain things that you are not fulfilling, you need to address that in your, in your space first. And then when you do that, then you are in, in a position to actually kind of um, instruct, especially if your children are very young, instruct them that this is how things should be. And when we have to work for success, that it comes from a space where we, are, we work that success of only pleasing Allah first, and then everything else comes secondary. Um, so when we have emotion, a big, huge emotions, just coming back to this again, huge emotional reactions about something and overwhelming um, um, emotions, Understand that that is actually attached to a certain way of thinking or a belief system that you don't perhaps know that you have, right? And this is a way of actually then, then you have to ask yourself deeper questions in terms of where did that emotion just come from? What is it in my space that has just triggered that? What, did, what just happened? Why did I feel angry about what he did? So you have to, and you can do this through a personal process where you actually at the end of the day doing some journaling and writing down those triggers. The more that you do that, you will start seeing that there's a certain pattern and you'll start to slowly identify what those hidden beliefs are that you are holding on to that may not be serving you in a positive way. And then you implement small changes. And these small changes is the way that you're obviously thinking with the new thought processes, but also coupling it with your environment, environment in terms of your environmental influences, the people that you associate yourself with, the things that you are watching, the, the type of functions that you go to, your social behavior as well. What are you actually then putting in that space also? And what you are listening to on a repeated um continuously in your car or whether it is on the radio etc so part of this process and you can go back to this um, after, after the session you can come back to the slide because remember everything that I'm telling you is not things that you can do right now in the session you you will need to go back to um especially to these kind of questions and coming back to it and sitting with each one of those questions and really being in a reflective state when you do so. It's important that you go through this because one of the big ways that we, that we can actually change the way that we are thinking is challenging that thinking. And when we challenge that thinking is when we're asking it questions. Because remember part of our change cycle, I said to you that our brain loves consistency. So the moment that you th immediately throw something new in it, you are going to make it panic in a way. It's like kind of walking down the road, a dark road, and there's, you hear the sound in the bushes behind you. You immediately, your first reaction is, I have to get out of here because there's something that's not, you, you don't feel safe. So when you do that to your brain as well, your brain does exactly the same thing. So the moment you immediately do this huge shift in just like changing everything, you know, um, it's going to relapse because you haven't actually worked through a process of uncovering what your beliefs are and changing the way that you think about a particular thing. 
So when you do that and you go through the, the work, and remember, even after this, this is just a condensed version of the things. There's so much more that needs to be shared. Um, inshallah, in future workshops, perhaps we can do a little part two and we can work a little bit more with irrational beliefs and things like that. But um, in one of the ways that we have to do this in terms of challenging that way and that uh, that lifestyle and that thinking is asking ourselves questions. And that's when we trigger our brain to think about something differently, change our perception about something, right? Um, and that's where that change started, becomes easier after that. Um, so even after the, a week or two weeks, then you start to, uh, implementing something new and your brain will feel a little bit more comfortable in doing so. But you have to continuously kind of um, assess yourself. You have to continuously be in a space of reflection. Um, what I find so fascinating in Ramadan, which is so beautiful, the males, obviously, the, the females have less of a chance of doing that if you have a, um, kids and things like that. But in Shalhamilaybe, uh, it's like um, females here that experience that I am in awe of you. It's so beautiful. It's a space that we have to be in the last 10 days of Itikaf. That last 10 days is a space where we are actually supposed to continuously um, make dhikr and we have to make, read Quran even more so. But it is also a space of reflection. It is a space of like kind of finding quiet from the busy kind of selling mode and the hustle of this world. And Allah gives us this. And how beautiful is, is this process is that we didn't even have to carve it out for ourselves he is telling us, here it is, do that last 10 days, do that, that, that space of retreat. Even the Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he used to go to the mountains for a reflective space. He needed the time of contemplation. So we need to set this time aside for us, even if you are doing it um, as part of develop, developing a little routine for yourself in your day. Do five minutes or 10 minutes in the evening. It will take a little longer, but if it becomes too um, overwhelming with, for you, start with five minutes and then moving on and using that space to reflect, inshallah. I mean, so one of the, the questions here, how have you been conditioned to act about being Muslim, Muslim and doing the actions? This is a very purposeful and intentional question that I really wanted to ask because Remember, I said everybody has a different perception, but everybody was taught also by different teachers. And I find it so fascinating when certain um, individuals tells me that uh, Molina that they went to back, you know, when they were children, said this to them and treated them this way. And it leaves it, my heart aches in a way because they were conditioned them to think and it affected the way that they react and how they are actually carrying themselves in terms of their identity as Muslims. And it saddens me deeply because I know the damage that has been done. So it's going to take a lot more for, for them to understand, but that is not part of our faith. That is not the way that we are supposed to be thinking about certain things. So it's very important that you come back to this. And also one of the things, sadly, I have to emphasize this and I tell the youth also this, and it's a very sad, it breaks my heart to say this. When you do seek teachers, seek teachers from reputable um, institutions as well. Um, and not just going to anybody for teaching, um, for learning, because it does impact, because everybody kind of, understand things a different way and they impact your thinking then a different way. 
So this is why it's very important for you to actually kind of also um, determine who your teachers are at the end of the day, right? How do you behave or think about that you learn from watching others? Remember I said that influence your, your, the locus of control, so it's you and then your influences, right? So those influences, that question comes in here. How do you behave or think about things that you've learned by watching other people? Um, I've mentioned this once before with regard to when my eldest son was very, very young. He used to love running around um, when, when I had to feed him because he was like very excited little boy. He always used to like running. And I struggled to kind of get him to sit and eat. And I, I used to get so upset. But then one day I decided to just kind of sit in the middle of the I there was I wasn't even sitting on a chair. I just hunched down in the in the middle of the lounge. And then I said, come, you need to come eat. And then he does exactly the same action. So this is important to understand. So that influence, the way that we do things, impacts other people around us. So even my little one, there are moments where I forget to actually say mashallah for something. And he's in the habit, he's 10 years old and he's reminding me and he says, when I say, oh, look, look at the beautiful fly. And he says to me, mashallah. And I was like, yes, Allah just reminded me right now. And I, and I have to thank him for that because um, understanding that those are the things that we need to surround ourselves also with, the influences that we have around us also. So what's your default coping strategy for life challenges and where and who did you learn it from? Right, and this brings us back to the institutions that you also went through, and also um, our parents, or whether we had guardians um, growing up, things like that. Right? Are there any obvious areas of your life in which you can identify things that you've been conditioned to think or do? So <clears throat> the questions are, are pretty straightforward. So really think about it, and it's going to take a little a while with each one of that to really think about your past and where it is that you kind of learn certain behaviors and really sitting with that information. So once you can do that, you can reframe the way that you actually want to, to behave in this particular way or the way that you um, react to and what conditioning you actually want to reprogram yourself with. Because in our society, what's very interesting about this conditioning, and I always say this to people, that our youth, we are getting so angry with the things that we are doing, uh, that they are doing. But the reality is, is that they were conditioned into a certain way of thinking through the things that they are watching. And it's been done slowly over a number of years. We've been kind of brainwashed slowly to, to think a certain way. And we need to kind of unlearn these things in order to um, understand what's important. Even a simple word, like my sister, she gets very upset when people say the side hustle. She's like, what is this word about? What does it actually mean? And she says, instead of saying side hustle, you say side blessing because then it changes the way that you actually receive that also. It becomes something different to you, right? So become aware of your self-talk also in terms of identifying your hidden beliefs. And and when I say your self-talk, when you're saying I am, and this I am is linked to a certain behavior that you may have. For example, when you say, oh, I am a procrastinator, I'm always doing things on the last minute, or I am so clueless when it comes to directions, you are basically, when you do that, you are creating a narrative for yourself. And when you create that narrative um, like that, you are already identifying yourself as being that person. 
So those are also ways of actually seeing where you are actually, um, where your hidden beliefs basically are, right? So uh, pay attention to those things that you are saying. And sometimes we say these things very frivolously and we just like laugh about it. But when you're saying it over and over again, some people also like kind of say to me, oh no, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. But those things actually come from somewhere, your need for control and things like that. So it's very important to understand this because there may be an irrational belief that is attached to that as well. So it's hard to change a behavior if you believe it is who you are. And this is what I mean with regard to saying that you are either a procrastinator or you can't remember somebody's name and names or things like that because you're already believing that you can't do that. So if you acknowledge that these behaviors are simply something that you have done and not who you are, you can choose to do them differently. So when you relate these things to just actions that you have done in the past, instead of identifying it who you are completely, then it's easier to actually start changing them. Right. So the questions that is related to this is what is your I am statements that you actually regularly use? And which one of those actually serve you positively? If it doesn't serve you in any way, then it's obviously time that you revisit that particular way of saying that and changing it, right? Um, what is the I am statement that you could use instead? And this is part of the way that simple steps that you can use to kind of reframe or reprogram your thinking. Um, so do this, on a, and remember, it comes back to that continuous state where you have to do something consistently, because remember, Allah gives us everything in consistency. Every day that we wake up, we have to be consistently understanding that these are consistent things, actions that we have to do during the day, inshallah. Right. So how do I identify our hidden beliefs? Now, this was very fascinating when I came across it, actually, with regard to the what if statements. Now, there's a hadith that the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu became so angry one day, he, the companions were sitting around and they were having an argument. And this argument, and they used this word, what if? And the reason why they had this um, argument was around predestination. And um, the one obviously was had a one point of view and another and said, yes, you know, what if? And they used this particular words, what if? And the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu he wasn't somebody that easily got angry, like we visibly becomes angry. Um, and in the Hadith, it states that his face actually became red of anger. He was like furious with him. And he says to them, do not think, use the words, what if, because it opens the doors for shaitan. So what was interesting about this and the reason why I'm sharing this is because it's exactly that. The moment that you like kind of think, oh, what if I fail? What if I can't achieve this? What if I, I'm not going to be able to make my salah five times a day? Am I a bad person? So the moment you do that, it opens a doorway for shaitan to come even to, to bring you even further down. So he brings it whispers. Remember, he's was was, he's observing you all the time. And when you're doing that and you he, he waits for these small openings, you think nothing of those words. But he waits for these small openings and he like kind of filters in there and he's like, no, no, yeah, this, et cetera, et cetera. So it's very important to understand. Start watching you. Ask yourself what negative what ifs you often say or think about. And um, how can you actually replace them? And 
when you are replacing them, please don't use the word what if. Obviously, the, the, the program that I did this course from, um, they, the, the learning that they taught us was obviously, yeah, but then change it to what if you are successful, but rather not do it that way because we want to avoid the word what if completely because the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, didn't like this word. So instead of just using that word, the word what if, just using with, with, with something more positive, we'd use a different wording. And also when you're changing your words to positive, remember that you only use positive words. Don't use negative words in your statement. Don't say I don't or I can't. <laughs> so, or, 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 yeah, just use positive words in your, and also obviously, like I said, a positive feeling and a positive niya, a positive intention with that, and also um, asking Allah to guide you through that process of changing, changing that particular behavior. Always ask Allah's help. He tells you if you move closer to them, he will run towards you. So please, whenever you're wanting to do any changes in your life, understand that, remember that, that he has always got your back. Right. So one of the things that, uh, this is very interesting, the disproportionate reactions to situations are the experiences or situations or statements that trigger you to react more extremely than the actual situation would warrant. Um, and an example of this obviously is, say for example, the wife and the husband has an, an agreement and about washing the dishes or things like that. Or he says, you know what, um, I'm going to, I'm going to wash the dishes and he doesn't do it. He's the rather want to play games or whatever. <laughs> and he does something other than that. And then she internally goes into the sense like, Yo, why didn't he do it for me? He doesn't love me. How can he not see to my needs? And, and you, you, you start having this disproportionate kind of reaction to that situation. But he is not thinking about it. He simply maybe even forgot that he made that promise or things like that. So this is one, um, just an, an example of that. But when we do it, sometimes um, it is coupled with our du'as that we make. When we are asking for certain things and we are turning to Allah for certain guidance that we want or something that we want in our space and Allah doesn't give it to us immediately, we start feeling low, we feel down because your du'as weren't answered and we start feeling that perhaps you are not worthy and that disproportionate thinking comes in here. Right, so it's very important to understand this one specifically for that reason. Just understand that Allah provides us what we want in the moment that we actually need it, um, and He understands us the best. He knows what is true in our heart and what we actually need. Inshallah. Right. So, questioning your beliefs in every aspect. So, this is what you're going to do. Also, is that remember we are slowly wanting to reprogram and we have to do certain things and we have to go through a certain way of questioning ourselves with regard to um, the things that we are thinking about. So the more that you do that, the better it is for that change to, to implement change in your lifestyle. So challenge your thinking so that your brain can actually start thinking and rewiring and changing its perception. So for each one of these areas, for example, your family or religious orientation, which obviously for us is Islam, our behavior, our learning, the education, the mental pursuits that we want for ourselves or had, our physical body, the way that we feel about ourselves, the way that we look, the social activities, our life's work. With each one of these, there were certain influences that affected the way that we believe about each one of them. I remember even with physical body, like, you know, 
in our culture, people are were harsh back in the day with regard to how you look in terms of your physical body and things. They used to make a lot of jokes. I mean, my husband tells me about certain um, weird nicknames that kids had for each other back in the day. I'm like, how even? But anyway, right? So one of the things that we have to do with this one is looking at all each one of this and actually looking at the influences that you had. And this obviously was married with experiences and circumstances that impacted the way that you think about each one of this. So for each one of those things, write down all the beliefs that you have for that. So this is also a, a, a way of, it's a, it's a bit of a process too, right? So, and write the experiences. What was the, in, what was the experience that you had that influenced that way of thinking and that belief and what circumstances you were in and what were the other people in your environment? Like, for example, the people, your siblings, your, 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 your family, so to say, your relatives, all those people that you were exposed to during your, um, your adulthood or your childhood or things like that. What were their beliefs about it too? Because remember, the more that you spend time with somebody um, for a very long time, it does impact the way that you also do things, right? And obviously, what was the resulting belief, which is where I actually did it vice versa with you right now, where you have to kind of write down all the beliefs and then obviously how that things has influenced you. So with each one of those areas, I would like you to actually do that because for the next one, for the next slide in, in terms of changing certain limiting beliefs and beliefs that doesn't serve us, right? Especially with any one of those, you can do the way of um, a simple step where you're going to kind of uh, challenge the challenges process and it's a five-step process. So first you identify the limiting belief that you have that you would like to change, right? When you do this, you basically have to think of the things in your life that support, and we've done this in the previous slide, remember? I said the experiences, the influences, other people's beliefs, right? All those things that was attached, you'll bring it here. In number one, you basically add all that supporting beliefs here. So once you do that, then you look at the step number two. What is the alternative belief that you'd actually like to have? And you write that down. And then number three, remember I said, every belief has an emotional um, reaction that's attached to it. But we also have an emotional um, payoff that we get from certain beliefs. And you'll see that especially with... Um, uh, the, the example that I like to use is when mothers are together. So when mothers are together, when the one mother complains about the school systems and how the son is doing at school and then the other one's like, yes, my son is also doing this. And everybody wants to feel like they're part of something. So the more that they do that particular thing, there's an emotional uh, payoff with regard to society and how you fit in. So what is your emotional payoff? And then kind of, um, trying to detach that emotion from it, right? And then the fourth step, obviously, is creating doubt um, by reframing this evidence. And the way that you can do this is asking yourself, where did this belief actually come from? Is it true? And how do you know it's true, right? One of the other questions that you can also ask yourself, how does it actually negatively impact your life, this particular belief? right? And what would you actually like to change this belief to? 
So when you get to number four, these are the questions that you're going to ask yourself. And then obviously by number five, with your alternative belief that you've written down, remember you had support for the first one. Now for the fifth step, you're writing with your new belief, you also have to find supporting evidence. Now, I obviously teach a lot of youth. And in fact, just today I had a discussion with them with regard to this particular topic. And I needed them to kind of reframe the way that they are thinking about the academic studies with regard to maths and, um, and the difficult subjects. So they needed to kind of look back at their past at evidence where they're supporting um, the belief that they are great at it in terms of there is a possibility that they can achieve more. So whether that is something that happened five years ago or when you were five years old, in terms of when at, in a position where you had this belief, where this belief was true, it doesn't matter. You are going to create supporting evidence because it's about convincing your brain that it happened, right? Because you want that change to happen. So with this last one, create that different steps of also supporting evidence, looking at your present and your past as to where that belief is true in your life. It doesn't matter how small it is. Write it down because you want to build that, you want to make that foundation strong so that, like I said, to implement that new change, to implement that new mindset, you need to build this new evidence. You need to change your perception around it. So you need to see where those things are. And what is so um, amazing that Allah also tells us in the Quran that we need to be grateful. We need to be, um, be filled with gratitude. And in order for us to, even with this, it's a way of actually also with this belief, the same way that we have to look for things in our life where we are grateful for, it's exactly the same principle, right? So look at thing, looking at everything in your life and then basically using that as a support for this belief that you think may not be existing because sometimes we do overlook things. We think that it's, we think it's not there, but once we have a closer look, we see, ah, there it is. Um, I told you that my husband is a botanist, you know, I didn't even realize, and this is, the, this is an example of what I mean. When I got married, uh, before I got married, before I even met my husband, I actually wanted to go into botany or zoology after I finished my studies at Icosa. So um, I got married in my final year that I had to graduate, right? And um, in doing so, when I got married, my husband wasn't so keen on me studying because it meant, or zoology, because it meant that I actually needed to kind of travel a lot and we and I was pregnant at the time and things like that. And then I said, okay, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to do it. And I never did. And I never paid attention actually to what was happening in the space. I wasn't aware. And afterwards I realized and I sat back and I think, oh my word, I wanted to be a botanist. And my husband is in botany. And it was only then that I understood that that was something I actually wanted to do. And it was only when I paid closer attention to my life and what it is that Allah has given me that I saw he gave me exactly what I wanted. Um, even with regard to zoology, I didn't get to study it. But my kids, my especially my eldest one, he used to look at field guides. And I had to kind of read it to him in terms of the different animals and insects and things like that. So. He still gave me what, we, what I wanted. We think that if we ask for something that is going to be in a specific way, we have this vision of how it's supposed to be. But Allah gives it us in ways that we cannot comprehend. So we need to look a little deeper. We need to look for that 
evidence in different parts of our life and see where that belief actually exists already. So this is important to understand because things won't always come the way that we expect it to, okay? I think we have a few minutes left, uh, Shamil. Yeah, we have about two minutes left. Uh, yeah, so I'm just going to finish off with this, inshallah. Okay. Next week, we will do our plan of action in terms of how we set up our goals. And also, we're going to be speaking about habits. Um, uh, so it will time beautifully, inshallah, I mean. So I just wanted to end up with this. Earlier, I mentioned with regard to Allah will not change the condition of man until he changes what is within himself, right? So when we look at this particular wording that Allah uses also, it's um, so fascinating in terms of understanding that we have to do the work. We need to do the internal work. We need to do the work where we are sitting down and um, rethinking and reflecting the way that we are thinking about certain things, our perception of things, because he says to us, he will not change a condition until what is within you. So you need to reframe um, how you see your success as a Muslim also, that belief that is attached to it and changing that perception of um, not doing it for the world person, for other people, but starting with him. And when you start with him, then he will change the condition of, of everything around you, inshallah, I mean. So I'm going to end off there, inshallah. Um, yes. I'll each and every one take, of you has benefited uh, from the from Malima, workshop. There's no questions that have come through. Okay. Um, I have sent a WhatsApp to the group as well, uh, to the list, and then nobody sent, somebody sent a comment which I'll forward later. But, okay. <laughs> okay. Here's a question. I don't know if we're going to be able to... <laughs> okay. Do you think I should forward the questions to you or are you going to take a question now? Okay, inshallah, I think perhaps forward the questions to me and then mm -hmm. for the next session and then I will start off by answering the questions. Is that okay, okay. with everybody? Or right. if it's something that's urgent, I will send the response in um, in uh, with Charmil, inshallah. Yeah, so you have two options, uh, Bismillah. You have two options before you just before you end, Malima. Um, you can send a question, a general question that can be answered in the class. If it's a question that must be directed to Mu'alima, you're welcome to send it to the WhatsApp, to the class WhatsApp, and then we will forward it, uh, and she will forward it back to us, inshallah, uh, if that's okay with everybody, inshallah. Mu'alima? Yes. So you can end off, yeah, sorry. <laughs> okay, shukran. Shukran, I hope everything was beneficial, inshallah, and um, and I, I say shukran to everybody that was present. I don't just mean in terms of physical, but also paying attention to everything that was shared. And um, may Allah purify our intentions. May Allah purify his mind, body, and soul. Um, in, and, and may Allah make it easy for us on our journey towards him. Um, inshallah, amin. Shukran very much, Mu'alima, and shukran to all the students. We hope and pray that the time has been beneficial. And we'll see you next week, inshallah. The recorded inshallah. session will be forwarded to everybody as well with the um, PDF slides. Shukran. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.